just a, a quick note beforehand, um, before we start the sermon. I don't know if you've if you've been listening to the news. There's um, the, our our parliament is debating on Wednesday apparently about um, um, gay marriages and how how that all works out. It was an interesting letter that came out from one of the politicians to the uh, some believers, and uh, he said this. He said, "Look, I, I would really like to." Um, to go ahead and support the idea that marriage is between a man and a woman. He said, I believe that. He said, but the other side has mobilised and they're sending email after email, letter after letter. And he says, when I go before um, and try and talk about it, I can't say anymore, I'm overwhelmingly, my constituency is not supporting this. He said, because it's balancing out. He said, Christians need to, if they want to have a say, they should tell me. They should tell their politicians. So if you're interested in helping this country to remain on track, I suggest you go online, look up some of the websites and send some correspondence to the politicians and say, we as believers in this nation want you to make this stand. Um, Let me pray about that and ask God's blessing on our um, looking at his word this evening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we think of our nation and we think of... uh, our desire that people here might know your truth and that even though many of them don't follow you, we know that your way of life and what you ask of us is what is good for us and what is right. And Father, we pray that we as your people might allow your voice to be heard through us. Father, I pray that as the politicians talk, that uh, your spirit might work amongst them and that this nation will um, be wise in affirming the fact as how you have laid down for relationships to be. Father, we also pray as we now look at your word that you might encourage us and bless us through it, that we might know more clearly how it is that you work in our lives, that we might glorify you in them and in each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we have been um, discussing the Holy Spirit. Over a series of eight um, sermons, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. and We're actually on number three. We looked firstly at God with us, the fact that the Holy Spirit is God himself. And we as Christians have God himself dwelling within us in all his power and his might and his majesty. And this is an enormous blessing and it's a wonderful thing. Last week we looked at the fact that one of the things that happens as God dwells in us is he, he brings us into his people. We become a child of God. And that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that he gives us assurance that we are God's children And we talked a little bit about knowing that as we live for him, he assures us that we do this because we're gods and that we can walk with confidence, knowing Christ, to know that we are a child of God and one day we will see him and be with him forever. Tonight we're going to look at one of the promises, one of the works, I suppose, of the Spirit, and that is that he strengthens us. And primarily we'll be looking at a few parts of this from the passage that we looked at in the book of Ephesians. 
But there are other ways which God strengthens us and the ways that he helps us in our lives. And over the next few weeks, we'll look at those as well. So next week, well, not next week because there's no service for the week after, the fact that God guides us, the Holy Spirit guides us, and then he works in us. He works through us, he works in the world. And then lastly, we'll look at let us not hinder his work. But tonight we want to look at this passage from Ephesians on the fact that the Holy Spirit strengthens us. Reading again the first couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 to 16. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We, we talked about that last week, the fact that we are a part of the family of God because the Holy Spirit lives within us and we are sealed with the Spirit. We've been baptised in the Spirit, we've become a part of his family. Paul says, I pray that you, speaking to the church, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. This work of the Spirit to strengthen us. We are strengthened through the Spirit. Just a few quick points to note on this. Firstly, this is from the Father. This is because of who we are in the Father that we are God asked, Paul asked that we be strengthened. And it's because the fact that the Spirit lives within us and we are family. The fact that the Spirit lives within us means that he works within our very being to do this strengthening in us. The fourth point, it's out of God's very riches. Sometimes I think when we think of God strengthening us, we kind of think he doles it out a little bit cheaply. You know, kind of like, I don't know, growing up, I used to be one of those people, you know, 10 cents pocket money. And you always used to look at those rich people who kind of like got 10 bucks or 100 bucks and you kind of wondered what it would be like to have an unlimited supply. And sometimes I think as Christians, when we're talking about this being strengthened by the Spirit, we kind of get this idea of, We've almost got to force God's hand to give out some of the empowerment or, or his strengthening within us. And yet Paul's very clear, it's out of his riches that he gives us this strengthening. We're only going to look at four areas tonight where the Spirit strengthens us. But one of the things I want you to take from the start of this passage into your mind as we look at this, God's not holding back with any of this. God has everything. He's rich. He has all the resources that are out there. As we walk with him, he promises to strengthen us. He's not holding back. If there's any barriers that are going to be put in place there, we've got to own those. We can't throw them onto God. But the the fifth thing, the thing that we really want to look at tonight, is we've been strengthened with power. How does that happen? And what are we strengthened for? And we're only going to touch on that with four areas tonight from this passage. But we should begin to get our mind around the fact that God's Holy Spirit does strengthen us. And in what ways does he strengthen us and for what purposes does he strengthen us? I want to jump back just before this passage to get the first of these things, which I think is important for us to note about the Holy Spirit strengthening. Back in Ephesians chapter 3, just a few verses beforehand in verse 12, it says this, talking about Christ, in him... And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom 
and confidence. The first thing that the Holy, the first way in which the Holy Spirit strengthens us is that we are set free. We are set free. If we read in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says this, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. The Spirit coming, dwelling within us, and as we're going to see in the second point, applying to us all that Christ has done for us, we're set free from the law. We no longer have to obey or do according to the law of sin and death. We're set free from that. We talk about how Jesus, how the Holy Spirit strengthens us as he lives within us and he empowers us. One of the ways that he does that is that we have been set free. We've been liberated. And so we are able now to live according to the way that God asks us to live. If we read in Romans chapter 8, the first six verses, it says this, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. It's by the spirit that we live. We've been set free. We no longer live according to our sinful nature. We're free from that. We live according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what nature desires, on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind, controlled by the Spirit, is life and peace. So we're no longer slaves to sin, to the law of sin and death. But because the Spirit lives within us, we become children. We talked about this last week. We're no longer street boys. We're part of the family. We live now according to the law of the spirit of life. And the freeing part, or if you want the strengthening part of this, is that we are now able to live by the controlling or the guidance of the spirit of God. Beforehand, we couldn't do it. How is this strengthening to me? Sometimes, you know, I get in those situations where I repeat the same sin that I have in the past and I think, I just can't help myself. I just can't help it. It's just the way I am. I don't know how many times you talk to people and they're going through the same old things. It's just, it's just who I am. What I'm made to be. It's, I'm human. But the Holy Spirit strengthens us. See, he has set us free from that. We are no longer bound to live according to the law of sin and death where we're seeking to earn favour with God and failing miserably because we never can meet his standard. We've been made a part of his family. And the spirit within us has, has strengthened us and powered us, made us a child of God and we're set free from that law that we used to have to live under. 
And now we can live in freedom according to the spirit of life. We actually can live as children of God. Romans goes on a little bit later in a couple of verses to say, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature, to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's fascinating, isn't it? By the strength of the Spirit, you put to death the sinful nature, is what he's saying here. You see, before the Spirit of God dwelt within us, before we became children of God, we couldn't put to death that stuff. We were dead. We were slaves. There's nothing we could do about it. It's fascinating, isn't it? The Spirit of God and we work in harmony here. When we talk about the way that the Spirit strengthens us, he just doesn't come in and bolster us up, buff us up, and we become Captain America overnight. I don't know if you've seen the movie. He gets an injection suddenly he can now do everything. It doesn't work like that. But because the Spirit lives within us, because he empowers us, because he strengthens us, we are able to, it's part of our volition here as well, put to death the sinful nature and live for God. That's one of the things that the Spirit does. So an application just for you. Number one, live as a free person. Don't keep getting tied back thinking this is how I have to live, I have to be like this. If that's a part of the sinful nature, let no, let you know very clearly you have been set free from that. You have a choice. You're able to live to please God. God has given us a way out. He has strengthened us by the Spirit. And because the Spirit lives within us, we can now follow him. That doesn't mean we live a perfect life. Because as Paul goes on to say, we have this tension within us. But what it does mean is that as we are guided by the Spirit, we'll look at it in two weeks' time, as we are guided by the Spirit, he strengthens us to actually live a life that pleases God. Which law are we going to follow? Are you going to follow the law of sin and death where you're constantly seeking to earn your salvation, to live according to the set of values to see if you can please God? Or are you going to live as a child of God, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within you to strengthen and empower you to live in that freedom? The first way that he strengthens us. Then in the next part, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17a, he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that, what's the strengthening that happens? What's the result of the strengthening? so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The other part, the second part of his strengthening for us as believers is that Christ might dwell in us. This doesn't mean we have a little Jesus sitting in the throne of our hearts. What it means is that every benefit that is of Christ, the Spirit applies to us. And we become focused on following Christ. He becomes, if you like, the centre of our lives. He becomes our focus and our life in itself. We become a part of him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, we looked at this last week. It says, For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. We 
by the Spirit, having made a child of God, a part of his family, and it goes on to talk about one body with Christ as its head. We have been united with Christ. How does that strengthen us? Calvin says, The Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites himself to us. Sometimes I wonder how people go through their Christian life ignoring the Spirit. The Holy Spirit living within us applies to us all the benefits of what it means to be a Christian. You go to Ephesians chapter 1, a couple of chapters earlier, verses 4 to 8, it says this, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. In Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, he lavished on us all wisdom and understanding. Everything that Christ has done for us is ours because we've been united with the Spirit. We've been united with him in the Spirit. If the Spirit wasn't dwelling within us, if we weren't sealed, if we weren't made a part of Christ's family, by and through the Spirit, all of those benefits wouldn't be ours. And yet because he lives within us, it means that we're forgiven and that forgiveness is applied to us because we're his child. We're justified, we're sanctified, we have hope for eternity. We're united with Christ. All of the benefits of being a Christian are ours because of the Spirit. So, application. We belong to Jesus through the Spirit. All of the blessings of Christ are ours. Christ should dwell therefore in your hearts. As the Spirit applies all of these truths to us, with us in harmony with him, forgiveness for sin, repentance, justification, sanctification, all those other ins that are there. Christ becomes the centre of our lives. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he focuses our minds back on all that Christ has done for us because it's through him that Christ, this is applied to us. And Christ becomes the centre of our life. He becomes the focus of our life as we notice everything that he's done. He becomes our centre. He doesn't just become the thing that we do on Sundays. We recognise because we've experienced by the work of the Spirit in our life all that Christ has done for us. And our heart overwhelms with joy and he becomes the centre of our life. It's the work of the Spirit of God to strengthen us to continue on in life. Ephesians chapter 3, 17 and 18. He then goes on to say, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Third way in which the Holy Spirit works to strengthen us is that we are united with each other. 
when we become a Christian, often we think of it in terms of our relationship with God. And we want strength within us so that we can man up and be a good Christian or woman up and be a good Christian. But the Spirit not only works within us individually, but he works within us corporately. We talked about this last week. The fact that the Spirit's coming brings each of us individually, sealed individually, into a corporate relationship as the body of Christ. We become united with each other. A little bit earlier in Ephesians, uh, Paul says, talking about Christ, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, not only to those who were Gentiles, but to those who were Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. You have to recognise the fact that when the Spirit of God comes and works to strengthen me, part of that strengthening is that I get you. Part of the strengthening that you get is you get me. I, I think I got the better end of the deal here. But that's part of the strengthening that we have. We become a part of a family. A little bit after this in Ephesians, Paul says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What does he say here? He said that one of the things that we have to strengthen us, we'll come to another verse in a minute, is we have this unity with each other. I don't know about you, but bearing all my burdens myself is tough. Having someone to share with them is an encouragement. He says this is what we're supposed to do as Christian peoples. We're to be involved with each other in the unity of the Spirit, the oneness that comes by the fact that God who lives in me lives in you. I was listening the other day to the radio. It was a suicide prevention uh, person who was talking. And they were talking about the fact that if you could actually connect someone who had a tendency towards self-harm with at least three or four other people who would give support, they wouldn't do it. He's saying most people don't have that amount of support. And he said, if you ever got to the stage where you had ten people who were supporting you, he said, you are rock solid. You had it made. Because you had that people around you who were going to give you strength and help and encouragement. How does the Spirit help us? How does he strengthen us? How does he empower us? He gives us each other. And he asks us to meld with one another. I was at a wedding yesterday and they read this passage from Ecclesiastes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and it says this. You've probably heard it if you've been to weddings. They apply it to husbands and wives. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Why? Two are better than one. 
because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're stronger together. And what Paul talks about, he talks about the fact that we're a family. Sometimes when I, I think about the church, I wonder if we're not a little bit disabled, if that makes sense. You know, I hear talk and I watch on the television all those sorts of things about people who are in the most vulnerable group, those who for some reason or other are disabled. Part of their body doesn't work, part of their mind doesn't work. Something isn't quite connecting. They need the help of others around them to support them. And sometimes I wonder, we who are supposed to be a healthy body, this is what Paul calls us. We don't even, the right hand doesn't talk to the left hand. I I don't talk to people who are Presbyterians. I don't like those Pentecostals. I'm not saying about myself here. These are the phrases that you hear. They don't read the King James. Why would I have anything to do with them? Someone saw me this morning at church and he said, I don't like so-and-so. I won't pray with him. And you think, what sort of body is that? How strong can it be when we don't have such unity? The Spirit strengthens us in bringing this unity. Look around. There are some really odd people in the congregation. Seriously, look around. There's some really odd people in the congregation. It's really hard. The man in Ecclesiastes has no brother or son. He's got no one who's alongside him to support him. You in this congregation have brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, family. Now, to be honest, you're odd. We're all odd. I'm odd. To get those people to work together means that we have to have something which binds us really strongly. The Spirit of God lives within each of us. And if there's something about you that I just struggle with, then surely I can work together with you because God's Spirit lives within you who's living within me. But again, this is one of those things where we and the Spirit work hand in hand together to be strong. If I decide I'm not going to like you and I take a step back from you, the Spirit of God's not going to suddenly give me a good spiritual kick up the backside and run you over there. He might discipline me in some way, but he's there to help us and to give us the gifts and the skills and everything else that we might work together in unity and harmony and encouraging and skilling one another. And we'll get to that in a couple of weeks about how he gifts us for that purpose. But we actually have to get involved with this and seek to be unified. But the Spirit, because he dwells within each of us, and he dwells within us as a community, he strengthens us by making us a part of a family. So then, what can I say to encourage you? Number one, be one. 
Don't look at someone else who's a Christian of a different brand or a different whatever else or a different age group or a different life group or a different youth group or a different whatever group, nationality, language, persuasion, you know, whatever it is, and say, I'm not going to be one with that person. God, through his spirit, has given that person to you as family. It's a work of God's spirit to make you one. Be one. Work at being unified. Love the brethren. Love the people around you. Seriously, love the people around you. Seek to do what's best for them in the family. You know, as we treat each other like that, we have far more than 10 people supporting us. We have 40, 50, 60 people whom we can come in contact with in a various way and strengthen each other. But not only that, we as a, as a family are strengthened as no one is left out. and We encourage and we bear one another's burdens. Encourage and equip one another. Keep each other accountable to love one another. Keep each other accountable to make Christ the centre of your life. Keep each other accountable in all of these ways that we've been talking about. Bear each other's burdens. It's much easier to have someone help you with something. You go on Facebook and you have a look in um, my profile, if you're interested. There's a photograph of there of um, Pastor Phil's bookcase turned around. Um, it, it was just a little joke between us. But it would have been so much fun to have someone help me turn that around because it was heavy. All right. So next time I can give one of you a ring and you can help me turn something around. Bearing burdens is easier when you've got more people doing it. If I've got a struggle and I can share and have someone pray with me, I'm strengthened. And we think, well, hold on a second, that's not really the work of the Spirit. Yes, it is. It's the work of the Spirit to make us family. It's the work of the Spirit as he helps us to love and care for one another that we do that. Submit to one another. Learn to do and act within the family as we should. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Next point. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We are empowered. We're strengthened. This phrase, being filled with or by the Spirit, is a fascinating one. I don't know how many times I've heard people speak on this and I almost cringe sometime at the analogies that are put forward about it. Is it being filled with the Spirit? Sometimes this is the way it comes across to me, like I'm this empty container and God's got a big jug full of spirit juice and he kind of tops me up and if I want to do something with power, I kind of zap a bit of love out with someone and it comes from the spirit and I empty a little bit and then I want to be filled a little bit more so he fills me up with a bit more spirit juice and off I go. That's not what it means. So whichever word we mean by with or by the spirit, understand what we've talked about is God's spirit is God in all his fullness dwelling within us. The empowerment that the, the Spirit gives is one where he strengthens us and gives us the power and the strength to do things to give glory to Christ and God. Being filled by the Spirit, I suppose, is probably, I think, a better use of the word there. 
that the Spirit is the one who empowers us. He directs us. Well, we probably need a little bit more explanation about this. One of the interesting things about this word to be filled by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, is that it's almost always followed by a conjunction. I'm not really good on these words. I, I worked out what a verb was a couple of years ago, and that's been helpful. Um, adjectives I've got under my belt, adverbs I'm struggling with, but conjunctions I get because I have really long sentences usually. It's kind of the word that connects things together. And the conjunction is almost always used with being filled with the Spirit or being filled by the Spirit is the word and. Filled with the Spirit and something else, which is fascinating. There's three ways that it's normally used. And the first of those is that normally when it's used is to fill with the Spirit and, and then there's something to do with communication involved. Let's just have a look at a few of those. So, for example, in Luke chapter 1, when it's talking about John the Baptist, it says, John the Baptist, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth and many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. He was filled with the Spirit and John went out as a voice of one crying in the desert. A little bit later on, talking about his mum, Elizabeth, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she explained, and you've got this, this declaration of praise that comes from Elizabeth as she's filled with the Spirit. Zechariah, his father. Zechariah was filled with the Spirit and he prophesied. And he gives this prophecy. Over in Acts chapter 2, when we have the day of Pentecost, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and communicate with those from every single part of the world the great gospel of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Later on in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the people, after Peter and John had been released from the Sanhedrin, they were all the people, and we'll look at this passage particularly a little bit later on, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And lastly, well, the last one we're looking at tonight, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, and it's part of a stage where Paul Somebody was misbehaving in the church and Paul, filled with the Spirit, rebuked him, spoke to him and said, you can't behave like that. So that when the person was filled with the Spirit, they spoke, they communicated, they shared truth about God or from God with other people. The second way that it's used is that the conjunction is always there with something to do with someone's character. Now, because we're going to look at this when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we're just going to touch on it briefly here. But, for example, in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, when it's talking about choosing the, those who are going to be deacons, it says, They chose seven, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. When it talks about Stephen, two verses later on, it says, They chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Over in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians, you've got all the fruit of the Spirit. What's it saying? When the people were filled with the Spirit, they spoke. 
and they communicate the gospel. When the people were filled with the Spirit, it was evidenced in their character. And their character was different. It's The two go hand in hand. You can't have the filling, it seems, in Scripture, the filling of the Spirit in a vacuum apart from other things. They were filled and they spoke. They were filled and they behaved. And lastly, the main passage that normally talks about being filled with the Spirit instead of being drunk with wine, I think has to do with being filled and relationships that we have within the Christian community. I suppose more than any of the other verses this week, this has been the one that's taken up a lot of time just to kind of wrestle with a lot more once again. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 to 21 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's interesting. Before this, he's talking about putting off the old and taking on the new. The way that we live. Don't be in the world, but be in the spirit. That's what he talks about. And then he's got this example here where he says, I think, don't get drunk on wine like everybody else, which leads to debauchery. That's how everybody else lives. Don't do that. Instead, be filled with the spirit. And then he goes on to explain what that filling kind of looks like And it's got this way that people interact. It's a a public worship thing almost. When they're filled with the Spirit, what do they do? They speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. They sing and make music in their heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for every Father for everything. And the name of the Lord Jesus, they submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's fascinating. That passage says nothing on how we're filled but it gives the evidence of what happens when we're filled. And it's not just in the sense of being an individual there, it's as a community being filled by the Spirit. When we talked beforehand about unity, it's not just a matter of me acting strengthened by the Spirit to be unified with you, but it's a reciprocal thing. We need to be strengthened by the Spirit to be unified with each other. The work of the Spirit of God to strengthen us is not an individual thing only. It's an individual thing and it's a corporate thing. So the Spirit of God fills people to speak, to be, and to be together. That's what God's filling does. Now Ephesians, and I suggest to you, most of Scripture, if not all of Scripture, says nothing on how we are to be filled with the Spirit, either individually or corporately. But it does give us examples all through the Old Testament what happens as we're filled by the Spirit. But I want to look at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31 as a little bit of an example about this. Peter and John had been to the temple and they'd healed this guy. He was a paralytic. They'd been brought before the Sanhedrin and they'd been chucked in jail. And they'd been brought before all of the rulers and the rulers had said, stop teaching about Jesus. Stop doing that. And Peter and John had come back to them and said, 
is it right for us to obey you or obey God? You decide. But for us, we're going to obey God. And the Sanhedrin takes them and releases them after warning them in many ways not to talk about Jesus. Peter and John go back to the believers, praising God for his saving of them. And then what they do is they pray to God. The funny thing is here is looking about what they pray for. They say this in just these few verses, verses 29 to 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. A lot of people, when they interpret this passage from Ephesians about being filled with the Spirit and not being drunk, they talk about being controlled by the Spirit. And I'm not going to say I think that's wrong because I think in many ways that's right. But I think sometimes we get the wrong picture of what it means to be controlled by the Spirit. Sometimes I think what we do, and I remember um, being taught this at various conferences, is I'm like a glove. And God's Spirit comes within me and he kind of, I'm controlled by the Spirit. I'm the glove and he's the hand and I just move at his whim. Or if you want modern day thing, we kind of, sometimes I get the impression that being controlled by the Spirit is like a remote control car and he sends the power to us and kind of directs us. We'll look at guiding of the Spirit in two weeks' time. But we kind of get controlled and all we have to do is wait for the Spirit to send his power and control us and send us somewhere and everything's cool. Get a bit more Jesus juice or whatever it is that empowers us to keep moving in a different direction. Pastor Darrell this morning in his sermon was talking, he gave a different picture of it, which I think is probably more accurate here. And that was that maybe like of a, a dog obedience trials where the trainer, by hand signals or whatever they do, directs the animal. They're working actually as a team together. The directions come from God. We look, the guidance comes from the spirit. The animal, in that case, I'm not calling you animals or anything, but us as Christians, we obey, but we actually have to step out and move. We actually have to be obedient. And then the Holy Spirit strengthens us to do that. If you want, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, then set your heart on being obedient to His will and ask Him for the strength to do it. Step out. He promises that He will fill us if we're controlled by Him. Be, he, will, he will fill us as we're obedient. And that's a part of this following him. If you sit there and wait and say, Lord, I want to go and evangelize people, fill me. And you stay there. You probably won't get his filling. You're just going to stand there. But you say, Lord, I know that you've called me to go and share the gospel with people. 
I want you to strengthen me to go and share the gospel with me. Then the scriptures are fairly clear. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you to do that. He will come and fill you, empower you to do that. As you step out and you walk up to people and you want to share the gospel with them, the Holy Spirit strengthens you and fills you. He empowers you to do that. I'm, I'm not a people person. Really, I'm, I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Walking up to people on the street, that freaked me out as a kid. It still does sometimes. But if that's the direction that God wants me to go, he will strengthen me and empower me to do it as I step forward in obedience. I'm full of pride. But God says, what I want you to be is I want you to be body, I want you to be uniform, I want you to be peaceful. I actually have to begin and humble myself. He gives me the strength to do it. This, I think, is what it means by being filled with the Spirit. We have to step out in obedience to his will, asking for his strength and power, and he promises he'll do that. So in conclusion... Because of the Spirit, you're free. You no longer have to live according to the sinful nature. You've become a child of God. All the blessings of Christ are ours because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to make us God's child and a part of the body of Christ. We're strengthened because we have each other. We've shared a meal of communion tonight. If you have something against someone else in here, deal with it. Let them get over it and you get over it. Because if there's something between you, we are not as strong as we can be or should be. We have each other. It's a great encouragement. And lastly, we are strengthened by the Spirit as we pray and step out. He promises then that he will fill us. He guides us into that truth. We'll look at that next week. Into the steps we take. But as we know what he wants us to do, as we step out to do that, he gives us the strength to carry on and to do the task for which he's called us to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to know you. We thank you for the work of your spirit in our life. We thank you that we've been set free from the bondage to sin. It would become part of the body of Christ, your people. Father, we thank you for each other. Help us to love one another, to bear each other's burdens, to be a unified body and not to be disabled without strength. Father, I pray that you will help us to know your will and as we step out to do your will, that you might fill us and strengthen us to complete the task, the anointing to which you have sent us to do. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Please stand as we sing.